Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Thursday, December 21st, 2017, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor. If you're wondering why we weren't on the air earlier this week on our regular night, which is Tuesday, it was due to a major system failure at Blog Talk Radio. And Mercury is retrograde after all, but we were all there trying to do this very special edition of our show, but we just couldn't get in. And believe me, I tried everything. And now it's the winter solstice, and that's a very powerful alignment adding to the timely importance of this message. Our special guest, Gloria Amendola, has been gracious enough to come back again to bring you an uplifting message from Mary Magdalene. But before we get started, though, I want you to let let you know that we have two upcoming Starseed Quests to Arkansas in March and May of 2018. And if you have at least one galactic marking on your chart, which is 25, 26, or 27 degrees of any sign, you are eligible to participate in this Starseed Soul Group reunion in the crystal capital of the world. The Spring Equinox Athena's Birthday Gathering is March 16 through 19, and in May for Pleiadian Lineup, it's the 18th through the 21st. Since we've redesigned these gatherings, we've been able to greatly reduce the cost so more people can come. And um, on a good note, thankfully, Mercury is going direct tomorrow, the 22nd. And our next show after tonight will be after our holiday break. So we'll be back on the air January 9th, 2018. Well, tonight we're continuing our tradition of having Gloria Amendola join us for our, ho- our holiday show. And it's a great time to share her messages from Mary Magdalene. Gloria is an author and intuitive with a passion for esoteric knowledge, the hidden history of the divine feminine, and the dream time. She has facilitated almost 300 Magdalene circles in the U.S., France, England, and Wales. She teaches the Holy Grail mysteries and their connection to the secret destiny of America. Gloria is a trained group facilitator with a speciality in dreams and soul recovery. She's a Reiki master and an accomplished shamanic drummer. Her very popular channeled trilogy is called Mary Magdalene, Revelations from a First Century Avatar. And if you haven't read it yet, make sure you get a copy. Gloria's travels bring her to sacred sites worldwide to experience powerful landscape temples firsthand. She is a Templar in the OSMTH order. Her commandery is in Rennes-le-Chateau, France, and dedicated to Marie-Madeleine. She follows the footsteps of the Judean refugees, the Essenes, and Knights Templar, gathering impressions from the traces they left behind. And her website is GloriaAmendola.com, and that's Gloria-A-M-E-N-D-O-L-A.com. We won't be having the Starseed news tonight or questions afterwards. The focus is on Gloria and her commitment to the light of Mary Magdalene and the Divine Feminine. So now it is with great pleasure that I introduce Gloria Amendola. Hello, Hi, Gloria. Ariel. How are you? 
I'm good, and I'm I'm just so glad that you were able and willing to give this another try after getting shut out really on Tuesday night. But um, you know, when we were trying, when you were scrambling, and we were trying to figure that out, I thought back to how, with all the radio interviews I've done through the years, that had never happened. Uh, to my knowledge, a couple of times you might have a blip on the air or a little snafu, but the fact that it was completely down, and you felt the same way, so we thought, oh, my God, that's just unbelievable. And we just we powered through it and just found a way to let some of the information that I'm going to share flow out there at this time of the solstice and the Christmas season, the holiday season, but also Magdalene's message, I think there's some Something very important to be uh, disseminated through this message. Absolutely, and um, I just want to once again say thank you so much for being willing to come back and give this another shot. It's it is a very important message, and it's one that is so needed at this time. So, um, first of all, just to kind of kick things off here. Um, would you tell us um, about the Archangel Michael medal that manifested in your dining room in January of this year? I, I really will. It's it's an amazing story. It it was a very tiny medal, maybe the size of a dime. And I was walking from my living room through my dining room, and I saw something on the rug. And I thought, oh, it looks it looks like a dime. It must have fallen out of my purse. So I picked it up, and I said, oh, no, this is a religious medal. It's not mine. Somebody must have left it. And I was trying to think of who um, had been here. And so the one person who I thought it was, I texted her, texted the medal and said, hey, I have your medal. You must have left it here from the other night. And they texted me back, and they said, it's not mine. I don't know that that medal. So I thought, wow, that's interesting. So I looked a little bit closer at the medal. I really didn't even pay attention to it. And I saw that it was Archangel Michael on one side and a traditional um, woman praying to Mother Mary at Lourdes in France with the cathedral in the background. And I got a kick out of it because the medal was in French. Wow. It wasn't even in English. It was in French, Archange Michel. It was, to me, that was a, um, the universe kind of really piquing my interest. Where did this thing, this medal come from? And not only that, it's in French. Wow. As many times as I've gone to France, I thought, well, this is interesting. So I, I, I sent a, a text to one more person. They said, no, definitely not mine. And then I finally realized that it manifested in my living room out of thin air. And I knew there was a special message to it, but it would take some time for it to be revealed. And you're still waiting for that message to be revealed? No, actually what happened was for the first time ever this year, I did, I've done it privately, but I took a group, a small group, and and there's a shout out to Melanie uh, from Australia who joined us again from the Starseed audience, a very, very special person. 
and we went. It was a, a small group of us, and we did a pilgrimage. We began in Paris. We went all the way around in a circle throughout the country of France, and we stopped at Lourdes. Out of my 17 trips to France, it was the first time I was ever in Lourdes for, in France, which is very close to Spain. Um, and what happened was on that journey in September, we, we all had felt guided to be very close to the goddess in all her aspects on this journey. But ironically, when we were leaving the Rennes-le-Chateau area and driving into the Ariège region, which is closer to Spain and it's on the way to Lourdes, something on the road caught my attention in my peripheral vision. And I made a, I, and I, I was driving a Mercedes van. It wasn't so easy to stop and turn around. But we turned around, and we went down this idyllic, beautiful country road. And there was a little, tiny church there, L'Eglise Saint-Michel, the Church of St. Michael. So we figured out it was locked, of course, and there was nobody around, but we figured out a way to get the key, and this gentleman drove from about 15 uh, minutes away, but he promised us he would be there and to wait for him. So we walked around this village, and, and despite its striking beauty, I felt there was something deeper going on in this little Saint Michel church on the way we were on the way to Lourdes. So remember the message was about um Archangel Michael on one side and someone praying to Mother Mary at Lourdes on the other. And I felt like the scenario was unfolding a bit. So the, finally this, this jovial, jolly, older gentleman showed up, and he had these big old keys, and we, we crossed a little footbridge over a stream, beautiful falls and trees, and the sun was out, and just gorgeous. And he led us into this most humble, simple church that they had just redone, and so they were so proud of it. And the windows were particularly telling. Of course, there weren't many. It was a tiny chapel, but it was Mary Magdalene, Mother Mary, Yeshua. And it also had, and this is the only church chapel anywhere in the world that I've ever seen, the very front of the church at the altar was Archangel Michael to the right, and he was pointing to Enoch in the stained glass window to the left. And I had never seen that before. That is highly, highly unusual. And then above them was the Grail Cup. And so we photographed it. We sang in the church. He was thrilled that we were there. It was full of life. It was beautiful. And there was a message for us. And it was interesting because after that we left. We, we didn't. None of us wanted to leave. But we had to because we were meeting other people at Lourdes. And when we got to Lourdes... Even though it's Mother Mary veneration and it, it is beautiful, it's very commercial, very touristy, and very controlled by the church. And it was just juxtaposed against this idyllic and beautiful little chapel that was so connected to nature that I feel like Archangel Michael was really guiding us in France to understand perhaps the difference of the of the way in which we worship or the freedom of worshiping freely as opposed to being controlled by the church. There were layers of meaning, but that's that's how it unfolded. Wow. And you still have the medal? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> 
Wow. Yes, I do. I mean, out of thin air, it manifested, and it played itself out on the trip, and it was a place that was unknown, but it was like a flash of light caught my peripheral vision, and then to find that little Saint Michel church, which felt very Cathar. It was in the middle of the land and the earth and the water, and 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 the the waterfalls, and it was really more not the chapel itself, but the land was how the Cathars really celebrated their church, if you will. And then when we went to Lourdes, um, again, there is some beauty there, and I don't mean to diss it for those who enjoy that experience, but for me it was way too commercial, and it was heavily controlled by the Catholic Church, and that bothered me. Well, I guess so. Yeah, getting away from the true meaning. Yeah, and anytime, anytime it, you know, commerce enters into it, that opens the door for energies to go kind of off. I mean, this was commerce to a scale that I had never seen before. You had to walk quite a distance from the hotels there to the to the shrine into Lourdes, where the 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 river is and the and the chapel and the rock and the grotto and all that and there I'm not saying that it isn't beautiful, but it was extremely commercial and having been raised Catholic, it was just disturbing because it was so controlled it was so um, it was just so controlled. And when you're in the Languedoc in France in particular, you have the choice of being so free in the, in the beautiful earth and, and there and in the Cathar lands and, and what they stood for. And then there's that oppressive hand of the hierarchy of the Catholic Church. Still there. Still there. Wow. Still there yeah. to this day. There, not everywhere, but that was the juxtaposition. That was the contrast, and that was the metal that um, manifested. And the Enoch piece we'll leave for another time because that was a whole other story of oh, who wow. Enoch really, <laughs> really is and why I think he was there. But you know, the the metal was just it, it was an unbelievable thing, and it guided me the entire year. Wow, well, that is a great story. Kind of fun. So, yeah, yeah. So, well, let's uh, switch continents. Uh, you talked about the Catskills last time you were with us. So, what is the latest update with the Catskills in New York? Well, the latest update is that particular author's book came out, and the long and short of it, we won't go into all the all the details of it, but it is believed that the Templars were in the Catskills in New York. And that really, if you study the, if you study the secret voyages or the hidden voyages of many people, you will know that even the Templars were latecomers. Um, the Egyptians were here. The, uh, of course, the Vikings in the year 1000, we know that for sure. But I mean, if you go back in history, the Chinese, the Phoenicians, um, there are many seafaring the Israelites, many seafaring people that were apparently here um, in the first century and even before in 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 times of you know BC times. So we we pretty much know that now. And anybody who's not seeing that just hasn't really seen you know the more recent history. But the Templars 
were looking for something. And it is it is alleged in this book that we all we all know they were digging under the temple in Jerusalem. But we don't know what they found. Well, this book purports to have a narrative by a well-known and true living Templar of English descent, Ralph de Sudele. I visited his castle in uh, England twice to, to really be clear on the genealogy. So he was a real person, and he apparently mounted this um, expedition to find scrolls um, and certain treasures that were alluded to through the scrolls that were buried under the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, which if you go even deeper under the Temple Mount, those are considered Enoch's vaults. Whoa. So, again, kind of an important little, we'll weave this thread about Enoch. And so it is, it is alleged in her book that when they found what they found under the temple in Jerusalem, that it led them to the northeastern United States and Canada, and they were following well-established routes from previous explorers. Um, even Joseph of Arimathea, who was a shipping magnet and a metals merchant, Jesus' uncle, or for some great uncle, um, he would have probably purchased those maps, which were high, you know, highly prized, uh, because it was about it was about metals and resources too. It was about money. Uh, it was about what weaponry could be built from those uh, resources and metals. And so Joseph probably, my guess is that he was here too. You know, a lot wow. of the Native Americans believe that Jesus walked the, the Americas. Well, that would be a nice thing to know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we'll drop that seed in there. It, um, you know, that's a, a story that's been out there for a while. So the update on the Catskill piece is that we can place – um, the Templars, we can place earlier travelers there, and we can place, if, if, if the narrative is to be believed, that they were here in about 1178, somewhere around that timeline, and they were looking for scrolls and other artifacts that were deposited there. Why particularly there? That's something I'm working on right now. I'm not prepared to discuss why that physical location, but it matches up with other what I would call grail locations. And I'm, you know, traveling further into uh, the United States to follow a particular um, navigational system, let's just say for now. So that's the update, and apparently – in this cache of documents that was allegedly um, held by a matriarchal culture in the Catskills of Welsh origin, spending time in Wales, it could have been Judean refugees, we know the Templars were in Wales, whoever these people were, they were guarding these scrolls, and they allege there was a goddess temple in the woods um, in this area of the Catskills, in this particular area. So it, it brings, and, and there is actually belief that the Templars were working with the Book of Enoch long before it was ever rediscovered, and that there was a lot of scientific information in there that was very important to the Templars. One of the other things they allege 
to have in this collection, this cache of documents the Templars were trying to retrieve. You know, the Templars were really reborn Essenes. Um, was the marriage certificate of the Hasmonean princess Mary Magdalene to Yeshua ben Joseph. Wow. Yeah. So they're still looking for that, but they they believe its existence? Well, they say that it was in the cache of documents, and those documents were then returned to Italy. Um, and they were under um, protection for a very, very, very long time. Wow. Wow. So the story, you know, this is this exists. is more cutting edge, most forward information, but it is nonetheless information that people are working with to try to corroborate, to get on the ground, to walk around, to see what can be um, determined or ascertained in that area. And we've been working with um, a great um, engineer, author. Uh, certified guide up in the Catskills because the universe always provides what we truly need, and he's been showing us some some wonderful things. So we just keep walking the earth and finding what we need to find because not everything has been found from antiquity that was preserved, and I believe some of it some of it was left for the initiates of our time. Wow. Wow. That, I mean, there's got to be a book in that. There is. Oh, boy, I'm trying to catch up with myself. I, I get so enmeshed and so, um, my, you know, my passion is the research to be ahead of the curve and to be on the ground and to be hiking and walking and channeling and putting, you know, both left and right brain skill set together. And I have to say with a high degree of accuracy now that I've been able to put some years to this journey, um, I'm really prepared to go out on a limb in 2018 to write the books, you know, to catch up with this because I believe it's that important and people can take from it what they what they want. And they always will. Yeah. So just hope that they want the right part of it. So um, would you talk about the the Essenes and what is the Essene repository that you're calling? Well, I think, and, and this is based on research as well, I think the Essenes were a much broader network. I, th- I think they emerged from ancient Egypt and then moved along into the Holy Land, if you will. And they were always a group that was interested in remembering in the knowledge. And they understood the value of copying manuscripts and putting them in multiple locations or repositories. So not so they didn't put all their eggs in one basket because we know right. that throughout history there have been crazy people who go, like look what they did to the library at Alexandria. They'll go to a hot spot, and in, in the darker cycles of time, they'll loot it, they'll burn it, they'll destroy it, and, and there we go. So the Essenes were, they were pretty sharp. They were pretty smart. And they had multiple repositories 
throughout the world, not just in the Holy Land. They were very mobile people. Um, they had been around. They had been around for a very long time. So there are people that believe there are, seen, uh, there are networks of Essenes uh, that were in India, which is uh, a place we know Jesus, um, according to the Rosicrucian material, Jesus studied in um, India when he was a teenager, and the Essenes were the ones who were charged with um, being like his tutors and uh, bringing him to these places and seeing that he met with the right people to be properly educated. So we, you know, we know as Jesus moved around, they moved with him. So there are these repositories throughout the world that I believe that they felt the need to supply with multiple copies of different knowledge because they had had a sense of what had gone on before. And I do believe this is just my intuitive take from being up there. I do believe that for whatever reason, the Catskills of New York was one of those areas. Well, so, yeah, I mean, it would make sense to have multiple copies. You've always got to have backups because if it's that important, it has to be protected. Right, so, yeah. because we know copies that Church yeah. and others have really sought to suppress all this information, or at the you know the very least, gather it all into the Vatican archives and you know secure it and make sure nobody sees it. Right, right. So um, let's. I'm, I'm just kind of um, moving through some um, different thoughts here. So now, would you explain how Thomas Jefferson is tied into all of this? Well, as you read in um, my bio, my short bio at the beginning of the show, Ariel, it, I talked. It, it, there's language in there about how the Holy Grail mysteries um, tie into the secret destiny of America. And we'll talk about the timeline of the Founding Fathers, and then at some point, let's talk about what's happening in the here and now, because we're in a very, very rough period. And it would be interesting to just put some seeds of awareness out into the ethers through this show about what the founders were really up to. So we know that they spent time in France. Um, we know that Benjamin Franklin was a Freemason who can very, um, uh, you know, through evidence can be tied to Carcassonne as an honorary grandmaster of the Freemasons, which is only about a half hour outside of Rennes-le-Chateau. Um, it is also believed that Franklin was planning um, aspects of the American Revolution with certain Jacobites who, and they would meet in, in the Rennes-le-Chateau area. Now, for anybody watching Outlander, the series based on the books, you, you can see the seeds of the Jacobite revolution in Scotland against England that, you know, is part of their history or their historical record. But if you think about how our founders, uh, be it brilliant men and women, um, they were never supposed to beat the British Army. They were a ragtag team of people who showed up because they felt a calling. But the British Army was like the American military today. We don't know our history to understand what an extraordinary thing it was that we actually won the American Revolution. So we had help. We had help, I believe, both in, in the celestial realm 
and we had help in the in the real physical world and so we find we can we can put some of that history with um Benjamin Franklin we can put some very interesting history uh with George Washington who did have visions of the goddess and the goddess showing him the destiny of America we also have Thomas Jefferson, who spent time in the Languedoc. That is an, an historical fact. It's it's on his website. And so for me, as I have been going deeper into the Founding Fathers, as I did with Mary Magdalene, when I began to channel her, it was very private in my own home with maybe a friend or two until I got used to the process and felt comfortable and could quantify or verify the things she was telling me. Because some of them were pretty wild. And I thought, wow, you know, I need some time to see is this real. Um, I, I don't want to be spouting nonsense and claiming it's her. So that's a very long process. So along with that, I've been working with the Founding Fathers now for three, four years. And I'm fi- I finally have seen enough of what they've told me, which again is pretty wild, that I now trust I'm hearing them correctly. Because what I'm saying is, you know, as long as I feel comfortable that I'm hearing correctly and I've let some time go by to verify what has been said, then I feel I feel more confident to put the broader story into the public arena. Well, that's understandable, and it's commendable as well. So you have. I just now feel that to... if I really came here at this time to say these things, to channel these things, to do these things, then the, my left brain legal side wants to have certain things I could check off and say, you know, did I do this? Did I did I try to authenticate? Did I go back and look at the historical record and see with some of what they're telling me? Can we match up any facts? And the and the fact of the matter is. I can. So when the channeled material comes through that is um, challenges even me at times, I have much more faith in it because of what I have been able to um, verify and make sense of. So I believe through the channelings that the founders are, have said that they knew about this area of the Catskills as well. And they knew the story of the Templars being here because the Templars were, uh, along with certain prominent um, and notable people from Scotland, if you will, they were the underpinnings of the American vision. There were others, but they had, you know, in Freemasonry, you have a Knight Templar degree. Um, They were very connected to this Grail story, and they were... They knew that it's tag your it. The grail came to them because it had to flee France, it had to flee Scotland, and it had to go west. And they knew it. And so that tag your it, they became initiated, and they received this story to according to their understanding. Now, Washington, Jefferson, Franklin, they were brilliant men, but they were far from perfect. So have you, uh, you've channeled now from Thomas Jefferson? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the lead. Oh, oh, well, what was the most recent message you've channeled from him? I I don't want to go into that yet because there's a couple of reasons why, and you'll just 
I know you'll take my word for it, but I'll give you one that is very interesting. And this came more about a, a year and a half ago. And he started talking about the politics of our country, and he started talking about how there was there were tremendous dark energies in Washington, D.C., and that the women had to step forward. There was a prophecy. He keeps referring to a, an, an ancient prophecy and that it would be time for the women to now lead the way. And the dark energies in Washington were um, very much opposed to that. And so he was um, drawing my attention to look at who is trying to um, uh, restrict women with reproductive rights and start looking at some of these individuals, and you'll start seeing where the dark side is working through them. And so I did. And he, and actually when I went, and I, I may have said this on the show last year, but I went to Mount Vernon um, just before the presidential election, and I was I was incredibly impressed by Mount Vernon in Virginia, and I took off from the, from the small group, and I went and connected with George Washington and channeled, and he said two things that have proven to be true beyond belief. He said, number one, our democracy was in peril. And I had no idea at that time, this was in October of 2016, what he meant fully. And now I see in the last year, it's really bearing itself out. And he also said there, is there was tremendous resistance behind the scenes for a woman to come to power in this country at this time. And Jefferson has since, in my channeling with him, said that the the reason why was because of the prophecy of women now leading the way, lighting the way, leading the way, lighting the way. And that and, and so the rest of it I just don't really want to reveal yet. But he said, you know, that's why there was even more than usual resistance because it would have been seen as a fulfill, a fulfillment of this prophecy, and they weren't going to have it. The dark was going to do everything they could to stop it. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty wild, isn't and it? And they did. <laughs> they did. But not, and, and they but did not in their own way. And but, but what seems to be happening now is instead of it being with just one person, perhaps, I think it's a much more powerful movement if it's many. And it seems to me that many women and men who support them are really starting to really lead the way now. Right. You know, and the, I mean, the harder you try to restrict something and oppress something, the more energy um, you're giving to have people, you know, finally stand up and say, that's it. That's enough. Yep. And, and make yep. the changes. So, you know, sometimes even when things happen that that are the opposite of what we want, if they are, you know, bad enough, it's going to awaken people to action that they might not have taken had it not got so terribly bad. So, you know, even... Even that will well, look at Well, look at the them. Me Too movement. Look at we now as women 
that these things go on all the time. We lived, we've lived through many of these incidents. I'm sure I'll speak for myself. I've lived through a few and, you know, general harassment. And, um, you know, I've, I've never tried to see myself as a victim, but I've had these experiences and most of us as women have, but why all of a sudden now is the me is the me too movement about sexual harassment and assault why is it really taking hold right now as opposed to 3 years ago like you know this idea whose time has come i mean look at the powerful people that have had to resign or be let go or fired because of their power over behavior um towards women and victimizing them or um, doing whatever it is that they do and why they do it. Yeah. Well, it's it's what situation reaches 55 critical mass, and that's, you know, when things really start to topple. And And like you said, you know, there's power in numbers. So, you know, if one woman stands up, she's going to have a lot more uh, trouble than if 100,000 stand up. Yes. So, absolutely. You know, that you know, that is the it's inevitable. It is inevitable yeah. and we have to come to balance. And certainly, you know, we don't we don't want another matriarchal society. It has to be balanced it, to endure. You have to yes. have the best of both sides in cooperation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We're just I I we're just not there yet. The woman has to rise these these oppressions, these things have to, those rocks and stones have to be turned over, and we, and the light has got to expose them. And right now it's tipping towards women because it must. And the men, and men who know history and respect and love women, they get it. They're not threatened by it. They get it. They have mothers. They have sisters. They have daughters. They get it. Right. Right. Well, it's it's a pendulum swing. You know, when something is extreme, too extreme in one way, eventually it's got to go to the other extreme, and hopefully it comes back to balance in the center. But it's it can be tumultuous when things are changing. So um, women have to stay vigilant, stay strong, and, um, you know, <laughs> Don't take any kind of, of, of disempowerment from anyone. Mm. Well, I think I think our energy is needed now. I think our 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 brain patterning is more holistic, and I think that's what's needed now. It's generally more intuitive, and I think that's what's needed now. And it's generally based more in the heart, not in the mind. And I think that's what's needed now. So I think there are very specific reasons why the feminine must step forward. Um, in, 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 I mean, I feel very, very strongly about that. And men who understand that and men who get that and men who protect women from their hearts, from the, from the right place, they come along and they're fine. They're not threatened. They get it. Right. They get it. Right. So your trilogy, Mary Magdalene, the first century avatar, is just a wonderful work, and it is continuing, I know. But um, 
do you have a message from Mary Magdalene um, that's timely for this evening? I do. I do. And thank you. Thank you so much for that. Uh, The thing that I loved about Magdalene in this trilogy, it may not come through so much on this message, but if you read, there's three of them and they're, they're little books, but they're, they have a very strong energetic effect. And a lot of people who've read them have told me that. So you take it, you know, a little piece at a time and she really reveals herself in her humanness as much as her mastery and her sadness as much as her bliss. I mean, she's, she's very real and very, um, very poignant, very powerful, but you know, at times just, it's, it's just an extraordinary glimpse into what may have been, you know, from my perspective. And it feels, it feels, uh, very close to, to her. So this um, message that I channeled specifically, I had wanted to, but I just let it go and figured if it's right, it'll come through. Um, and I did email this message to you, Ariel, and we could decide after you hear it if it's something we want to put up anywhere. I could always put it up on my Facebook page or my website, um, no problem. But the message is entitled, To All Who Have Ears to Hear, A Truth Worth Telling. So she says, the time of reconciliation is upon you. You might think of it as your judgment day, although I tell you it is far different than what you've been told through your stories of religion and false beliefs. We always knew this day would come in the far and distant future, so we and many like us traveled the world and performed an ancient technique where we inlaid the light upon the land. In that light and the pathway of the stars that were followed, we seared into our beloved lands the power of remembering. Why, you ask, why would you do such a thing? Our people were great seers of the stars. They understood the future and the past by looking up at the stars and following the old ways of instruction. This was a method given to us by the great timekeepers who needed precise understanding at all times of these patterns. It helped them move to and from our world and when they were here on earth walking among us. So we were given a mission of laying the codes of the sun into the soil and letting the telluric energy capture their magic and create anew. It is there beneath the soil and rock and sand that the placement of future instructions was seated. And now many of you for years and even decades have walked in these places you call sacred sites, retrieving these ancient codes of understanding. This is part of how we speak to you now and come to you pouring forth our knowledge and wisdom and mastery so that you would benefit by our advanced knowing of this time at hand. This time at hand has much change and conflict for you and even chaos to come. And yet from this disorder, new patterns will emerge and your heart and brain and nervous system must recalibrate itself accordingly. Are you ready for such recalibration? If so, if that is your choice and you do so willingly, understanding this time of great change, then I tell you, you must move deeply within yourself and purge all the false narratives you've been told 
in order to forge a new instrument of light within you and around you. There is much working against you at this time, forces of insidious evil trying to keep you from making this leap that so many of you are destined to make. It is the time of completion of the great work as you know it, the great work of transformation from once we once knew in the land of Chem, which is Egypt. Mary continues, so I ask you, what must you lay down, leave behind, and walk away from at this time? Surely you must understand the need to let go of your limitations of mind, body, and soul. Surely you must reach to the heavens and pull the stars close to you, breathing in their magic and might on the exhale, breathing out the old ways that are now obsolete. Breathe in deeply and allow your hearts to align with the great central sun. Allow your brains to entrain with the cosmic rhythms filling your atmosphere. There is much to be gained by emptying your minds, minds that are filled with nonsense on a daily basis. Put aside your modern devices and reach your hands up to the sky, to the stars. Feel the wisdom trickle through you. Your DNA will recognize this wisdom, for it is within you. If you feel a tug of war within you, if you feel the need to shed more skin, then do so and smile as the gift of the new light, the everlasting light, is now upon you. It is your choice to begin to sense and embrace the new spectrum of light and knowledge that is here, that is here. It calls you now, so especially at this time when the light begins to return in your world, breathe deeply and know this light is the light you have worked so tirelessly to receive unto your body temple. Breathe in this piece of home, Sirius, the clan of the star tribe, and let it be known you are ready, willing, and able to receive your ancestral soul. Trust your intuition and prepare for the leap. I've got chills running up and down my body. Oh, it's a powerful message, I know. Oh, my goodness. When when she was talking about the light returning and we couldn't do the show the other night, but... Really and truly now we're in the solstice time and the light will begin to return. She's telling us to breathe in deeply because this is the new light, the light that we have yearned to merge with. And now is the time. And now is the time. Wow. And I know it's tough out there right now. And I know this is me speaking, not Mary. You know, there's so much resistance and obstacle and difficulty. But if people could just hold on and in their hearts just just take that light in and, and, and just get close to the stars and breathe. Just if we do nothing else, breathe deeply. Well, the people, 
I mean, on a day-to-day basis, you make so many decisions. And sometimes, you know, we do things without really thinking, you know, is this the best way that I can do this? So using every every moment of every day to exercise your power of choice with with higher choices with with more grace and you know choosing to forgive someone instead of going into battle with them you know little i mean that's not such a little thing but every day we can we can do this yeah and um so how can we prepare for the new earth frequency and the further rising of the feminine Does Mary Magdalene have anything to say about this? Well, just in this message alone, I think what she's calling us to do is to connect with nature. Just to connect with nature. Like it doesn't even have to be complicated at this time. There's so many things that are so complicated. She says, you know, turn off the devices, look outside, go outside, take some deep breaths, Connect to the stars, draw them into your heart, and just breathe, breathe, simple, deep breathing. I think if we could find the time to do that, you know, once a day for a half hour, for 20 minutes, for 10 minutes, um, that alone would just allow the natural forces to do what they already know how to do if we just get out of our way. Right. You know, and getting out into nature, um, I mean, so many people in urban areas are so disconnected from nature. But, I mean, any place that you can just go and, and, yeah, lay the devices down, get away from the screens and look up, you know, yeah. the, the heavens, the stars. And is it um, kind of a, a rule uh, to your understanding that, all this help that is available, we have to ask for it. We have to invite it. I think in the I think when you're dealing with higher intelligence, yeah, I do think that there's an aspect of that. Um, and and I, I think it's a respectful uh, guiding intelligence, and you do have to engage it. You do have to let it know that you are ready for that. And so I think some of the lower energies, you know, they they try to dominate and control. But when you get into higher frequencies, if that's even the right word, there is a respect, but there is also a caution. Are you ready for this? Because this is an alchemical process. And we will come and we will work with you both individually and collectively. But prepare yourself. And I think for a lot of us who've been doing the work, what we see in America right now can be pretty ugly. But they say that's part of the clearing. Magdalene says the chaos, the extremes are absolutely necessary. This this place we find ourselves in, which can be very disheartening, she the thing that keeps me going in difficult days is that she says this tension of opposites is necessary. It may not be pretty, but it's necessary to bring us to the next step. So for me, I just try to keep it very simple now, and I just try to connect with nature. It's not that hard to take a walk. It's not that hard to find a park. It's not that, you know what I mean? Some of, some of these mm-hmm. things are free. They don't cost money. 
and 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 we we begin to access the natural elements which she is basically saying are becoming very supercharged and that right. light and, is and very almost, powerful it's like the treasure is right there in plain sight for those who have the eyes to see and the ears to hear yes yes Wow. And in our modern well, world, we want to make everything so difficult and complicated. And, oh, my God, the truth of the matter is it's really it's the elements of the earth, the trees, the ocean, the parks, the the soil, the rocks, the crystals. You know, it. I mean, you all go to Arkansas. That's a place that really draws you when when you're there with the crystals and the stone and those underground crystalline beds. I mean, what does it do for you? It must stir your soul, right? Oh, it, yeah, <laughs> everyone's, everyone. Yeah. Um, I mean, the people that come obviously have already um, passed eligibility requirements having the star markings. So they've got the, it's like the, you know, the radio receiver. They've got all that equipment. But when they get there, then it gets turned on, and then there's real communication. Yeah. Yep. So, so and yeah, that's how it is for me when I travel, particularly in France. It just, with the groups I bring, it just, oh, my God, it just turns it on. And once it's turned on, you know, it seldom turns off. And um, I give another shout-out to my wonderful friend Mel from Australia who had that experience in France. And it is, um, it is moving deeply and profoundly in her life. It is it is really a beautiful sight to behold to watch that um, element get so turned on in in, in us and, and we become so alive again. We we remember we remember activating the memories is is a big part of of Magdalene's message. It wasn't it um, just um, because letting yeah. us know that the memories are there and stored. And they just need to be triggered, so we can precisely remember, yeah move out of this. And yep. would you think that um, certain areas on the planet would work um, better for some people than others, and then other areas might you know it, I mean the same place is not going to um, have the same result with every single person that stands there. You have to have oh I, for sure. I mean. Yeah. Some people can go to Jerusalem and that's it for them. If I go to Jerusalem in my lifetime, fine. But if I don't, I'll go to France 50 more times, I'm sure. So in some for some people, it's Glastonbury. And some people, it's the American Southwest or Arkansas or, you know, uh, Canada or Guatemala or Peru. I mean, it's so many places for so many people, but it is all in the, it's it's all in our Mother Earth, you know, it's all in our planet. It's it's they're all universal elements of soil and rock and water and and the stars above. And the soil may be different in in different places or some of the landscapes, but the Earth holds the memory, and we hold it. And when we align with it, that's why she was talking about going to sacred sites and remembering and how they and others like them seeded the knowledge literally into the soil, literally into the earth for this future time, which she says is now. So um, with the you know Christmas holiday coming up, a lot of people have some time off and would you have some uh, suggestions like you know 
go for a walk in the woods for for your one of your Christmas presents to yourself? Oh, I would, and and I yeah. would have to say that if you can get connected into the woods, into the trees, or by the ocean, you know, the salt air and the salt water, mountains, you know, skiing mountains, you know, up in the in the snow in the higher country, whatever it is that you choose to do, I guarantee you that if you really commune with the earth through the different elements, through, you know, the water, the the snow, the again, the trees and, and, and the rocks and so on and so forth. I believe that it's not distorted. There's a lot of distorting, uh, distorted information right now and fake news and, um, you know, just false information being put out there to confuse people. But I think if you connect to nature, it is a gift because you will get clear answers if you can just quiet yourself down and get still and get present, you can ask for for answers to your questions, and those answers will come. Especially uh, one of our um, uh, suggestions is to always ask three times in a row, because there's a there's like a catalyst that happens with the three. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know. Ask three times, like Lavendar says. It's like like sometimes you don't want to pick up until the third ring. Um, and yeah. Like so so they when you're asking, ask three times in a row. Whatever information, um, understanding, um, remembrance that you are um, requesting, just say it three times in a row. I like well, that. This is this has just been so wonderful to to have you um again for Christmas. It's our it's our tradition. I think this is the fourth year we've had um the pleasure of speaking to you before Christmas. And oh, um, thank you. Do you Oh it's you're so my welcome. pleasure really to uh to be part of this. And um just a little bit of um uh, little bit of plugging here. Your um, trilogy, Mary Magdalene, Revelations of a First Century Avatar, um, is available at all the major places that you would expect, like Amazon and also on your website. And was it Grave Distractions Publishing? Yeah, yeah. It's not, I, you can read about it on my website, but I don't sell it. My publisher has it on through his website, which always gives the the author's um, more money than Amazon, but Amazon is so recognizable and easy for so many people. So it is on Amazon too. Okay, and you have um, other books as well that you've written, uh, the Tower. Series. Yeah, and I and those are really seeding the story of what is yet to come. So there are two done, and the third is being written. Um, and those, all those titles are on uh, Grave Distractions, and they're all on Amazon. And if you want to know the, the exact titles, you can go to my website and go to the Writing tab, and I kind of spell them out very clearly with images so that you can know what you're looking for. Excellent, excellent. And once again, your website is gloria Amendola. So Gloria, of course, is G-L-O-R-I-A dash. Amendola is A-M-E-N-D-O-L-A. Amen. Amen. (laughs) So amen. (laughs) So um, (laughs) is there there a a 
Christmas um, message or, or wish that you would like to um, send out to the listeners? There really is, and I've I've thought about this. I know that we're going through a difficult time in a lot of ways, and I guess I would just remind we know these things but I, I like I sometimes have to remind myself and but to remind us that we those of us who have chosen the light at this time are really in the majority and we there is like you were saying before there is strength in numbers and don't be fooled by some of the awful things that are put on television and disseminated through the airways that really are thoughts of darkness that are really in the small minority. It doesn't mean that they they aren't powerful in their dark message, but those of us who have chosen the light at this time, we really are in great numbers, and we have to speak up in what ways resonate for us. We have to speak up. We have to speak out with other people so that we draw the light to us and the, and, and that we have to we have to take a leadership role in doing that. That's why we're here to say, no, this time the light prevails. Yes, there's darkness, but the light prevails. And I think we need to know that we have that power. And we've got a lot of support, again, from We've got the, a tremendous higher, amount of support. The, the, the higher light beings who will be glad to help if we would ask, and also in, in you know, helping us stay steady and stay balanced. Um, you know, even if, you know, you have to take a punch once in a while, you just keep your feet firmly on the ground and know that there is great power that you have access to. That's true, and if you're having a meltdown, you know, or a difficult day, and we're all having those, we're all going through layers and layers of of genetic um, memory and material and release and so forth, we're still doing it, just have a support system, just have people you trust where you can just let it rip and just get some things Mm -hmm. out. See where your frustrations and your anger or your sadness or feelings of betrayal or whatever it is, where they are. Because when you verbalize them with people you trust and it feels safe, you can begin to understand maybe, oh, well, I'm still holding on to this piece and I can let it go now because I see it. It's been reflected to me and I see it. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to know that we we hold the light and we have to... We have to know that. We have to love ourselves, which is easier said than done, and we have to have a good support system. Oh, I absolutely agree. So this has just been a very enlightening, uplifting um, message that you have brought to the audience. And and here it is, you know, solstice starting tomorrow. We get more light every day. Uh, Yay! Uh, that, <laughs> yes. So um, I'd like to think that this was a, a, a door that opened for us to take advantage of these energies. And I am so grateful you know, I, that you were I able think it was to come there, back. And I, think, I think we did it. I think we did it. I, I think we have done this and uh, gotten it out there with with great resistance. You know, I yep. mean, I, I worked for an hour and I probably tried – 70, 80, 90 times to get the show started. Uh, 
<laughs> I know. I believe and, you. I could hear it in your voice when you called me. Yeah. I, I mean, I did everything, all the tricks that I know. And it's finally after an hour, it's like I've got to, to finally just say, okay, it's not happening tonight, but it's happening now. So the important thing is that the message is out, and I'm so grateful that you were able to come back and um, and deliver this message because it is an important one. Well, thanks, so, Ariel. Um, thanks for persisting and, and uh, being part of it. It's, it's my pleasure. And now I have um, a little gift for you and our audience, my very favorite Christmas song, and it is very appropriate for um, the topic this evening. And this is uh, a song that I recorded. It's on my CD, which you can find on the website. And it's called Mary, Did You Know?
Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone. Gloria, especially for you, a big hug and much gratitude for spending this time with us. Thanks, Ariel. And that is a beautiful song. It's. I get chills every time I hear it, and it's not just because I'm singing. It's. It's. It's just. It's a very, very deeply resonant song. So thank you oh, for the is. opportunity to share it with um, everyone, and uh, have the most wonderful, joyous holiday season, Gloria, and everyone um, from all of us here at Starseed Radio Academy, um, Lavendar, Tammy. Anastasia, Fiona, Kathy, Jada, um, everyone, thank you so much. And we're looking forward to a wonderful 2018. So take care, everyone. Bye, Ariel. Much joy. Good night. been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.